The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode is brought to you by Wu More Play. Have you tried coconut oil lube? If you haven't, you need to get on board. Let me tell you, I am really, really, really damn good at two things. And one of those things is making a great sandwich. And the other one involves Wu More Play. Wouldn't you say, Michael Bostick? I would give you an A+. Guys, this product, this brand, was invented out of necessity. And I'm proud to say that Lauren and I are partners of the brand. We did help create it. We love it. We've talked about it for a long time. Regular listeners know all about Woo More Play. Listen, we were in the bedroom. We are having some freaky time. We thought, what could make this experience even better, even more fun, even more frisky? And we thought, why not coconut oil lube, a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of stevia for taste so that when Lauren's doing that thing she does so well, you know, she's she's taking care of as well, get a little sweets in. <laughs> and um, yeah, guys, I mean, it is a game changer. You can put it on your vanity, which is very ideal. It's not going to be gross. It comes in inconspicuous packaging, so your next door nosy neighbor isn't going to be all up in your shit. And you can eat it like it, suck it, fuck it. So it's kind of like a trifecta of everything you want. Do you want to hear the number one customer service complaint on Woo? I found this funny. What? D- guys, do not let your dogs get into the Woo. Like I said, it's edible. It's all natural, all organic. If those dogs get a hold of it, they will tear through the package. They will eat it. I cannot tell you how many screenshots we have of happy Woo users upset that their dogs ate it but don't worry if even if your dog does most likely we'll just send you a new one because we want you to have fun sounds like our producer taylor all right guys use code him and her for 20 percent off at checkout that's woomoreplay.com him and her at checkout for 20 percent off that's w-o-o-m-o-r-e-p-l-a-y.com and then like lauren said code him and her for 20 percent off your entire order let's slide into the show She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha. And when I hit my head, I almost knocked out. So I got to the board and I'm spinning sideways, trying to hold on and seeing everything spin like I was about to pass out. And all I could think of was my kids and Nicole and them being without a father. It's Friday, everybody. We made it. Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. That clip was from our guest of the show today, Garrett McNamara. For those of you that are new to the show, my name is Michael Bostic. I'm a serial entrepreneur and brand builder, most recently the CEO of the Dear Media Podcast Network. I think at this point, about 30, 35 shows under management. I should probably know that exact number. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into it, I promise. I'm typically joined by my beautiful wife, Lauren Everts, the creator of the Skinny Confidential brand, book, podcast, blog. I mean... A lot of things now. She's got a lot of things cooking. She's taking a little break right now, not in the studio. Maternity leave with our new baby that we just had, which um, has been, you know, it's, it's throwing a little kink in our life. We gotta, we gotta adjust around the baby schedule. We both uh, have a new boss, it seems. So this episode, we are joined by both Garrett and Nicole McNamara. They are an interesting, to say the least, couple. Have a lot of accomplishments under their belt. Garrett is an American professional big wave surfer and extreme waterman known for breaking the world record for the largest wave ever surfed at Nazareth, Portugal, surviving a monstrous wave at Jaws and riding a tsunami. Yes, he rode a fucking tsunami from Calvin Glaciers in Alaska. He holds eight world records. He's got a wild story, which we get into on this episode. And guys, when I say biggest wave ever surfed, I mean, this thing was the size of a fucking skyscraper and he surfed it and he is just 
like a regular human being. And when you look at it, you can pull up, you know, we talk about it in the episode, you literally can look on YouTube, Garrett McNamara, big wave surf and like the biggest wave or surf. And it's literally looks like he's like, it's not even real. It's like, he's like a little tiny dot on this thing. He had a really wild childhood. His mother took him to Central America where he was the victim of domestic abuse early on and really kind of, you know, he's obviously persevered and became a very successful person in his own rights. Got a beautiful wife, Nicole. We dive into all sorts of different topics together. They t- she told the story about like how they came together is incredible. And, you know, they three beautiful children later. So we have a lot to learn from them now with child of, children of our own. Lots to unpack here from a very unique episode from a very unique couple. Guys, with that, enjoy the show. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. All right. Both of you highly recommended by two of our favorite guests. You know, we extend the invites for a few people that can come on whenever they want. Taro and Khalil. They could not say better things about both of you. Welcome to the show. We're going to go a lot of different directions, but let's start it off. Both of you will go one at a time. Let's get a little bit of background. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? And then we're going to go deeper. I am from Florida. Florida. Where? Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And I grew up there. And... After college, I was a teacher. I taught middle school for six years. And then I was stand-up paddleboard racing, and I went to a race in Puerto Rico. And Garrett started stalking me because he was there for an event, and I ended up running away with him, and here we are. I was actually there for Surfer Sealing, an event that takes autistic children surfing. It was a charity dinner that night for the foundation, and Nicole was standing on the side, and I'm like, whoa, who's that girl over there? It was pretty much love at first sight. That's how I felt about her. I saw her sixth grade. She came in. She was fully developed. I thought she was a substitute teacher. I was like four foot one. And I was like, that's it. Done. She I basically like looked the same in sixth grade. Minus the, so this, minus is, a the true, this is a true story. It's a true story. Yeah, oh, no, I, wow. I swear to God, I looked over and I thought it was like she was like the babysitter or a sub teacher. You know, I was like a little twerp and she was a fully developed woman. And I was like, you got a little girlfriend at the time. I was like, you're out. I'm <laughs> going over here. So how did each of you guys get into extreme sports? Pretty much fell into it. I uh, moved to Hawaii when I was 11 and just started surfing because I loved it. And it all of a sudden became a profession. It was really a fluke when I had become a professional surfer. And then big waves became my passion. Once I had a really memorable session that I enjoyed, then it was just, that's what I fell in love with, big waves. And it was bigger and bigger and bigger until there wasn't anything too big. Yeah, and like I mean, I we're, we're glazing over the fact here that you are literally the world record holder of the biggest wave ever surfed. And I think you know, just saying professional surfer is not do, not doing yourself a, a service because you. I was looking at clips and videos of you before you came in here. I don't know how you do that shit, man. That is fucking insane. I mean, the the waves are almost as big as this fucking building. Yeah, what floor are we on here? What sto- How many Tenth, stories? Ten. Nine. Yeah, they're about this big actually, but maybe a little smaller than that. What is that? That's probably about a hundred and thirty feet. Or yep, I mean. Roughly, yeah, probably. Do you have anxiety when he starts surfing these waves? No, I have anxiety when he takes my credit card or the car (laughs) or one of the children. Anything on land, he gives me anxiety. But on the water, I know he's fine. (laughs) That's where he belongs. And so have you always been into sports as well? I grew up in a surfing family. I Actually, my dad, I think, is a little crazier than Garrett. So it kind of prepared me for... For Garrett, so he can't do anything shocking, really. I surfed small waves, but then when I met Garrett, he towed me into a bigger wave, and I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I'm going to be the world's best female toe surfer. And then I almost died in Portugal, and I've never gone out since then. So I'm just the extreme wife who's married to an extreme surfer. 
So I want to go back a little bit just to get some context because I want to I want to tell the story here to the audience and then I want to envelope into how you guys met and how you got connected. But your childhood was pretty chaotic, if I'm reading that correctly. It was different. Yeah. So what were the circumstances in you going back and forth between South America and here? It was uh, my mother drugged me through finding herself, finding God, and then luckily it ended us up in Hawaii where we found surfing. Otherwise, I don't know where we'd be today. And so what circumstances led your mom to bring you to places like that? And how, and how, did, you, how did you cope with that as a young kid? She was a house mother in um, Stockbridge Boarding School in uh, upstate New York. And my father was a Latin teacher, English major, and basketball coach. And when I was about one and a half, my mom inherited a bunch of money and said, we're moving to California and I'm going to start a hippie commune. So we got to Berkeley right after the People's Parks riots were going on. She got 30 people together and moved us all up to Sonoma County, Casadero, and we bought 44 acres, had one house on 44 acres with 30 people. And that's when she was trying to find herself. And everybody lived in one house together, running around naked. I actually really enjoyed that part of my life. It was really fun. But uh, <laughs> So this is you, it was you, your brother, your mom, and then? My father as well. Okay. She uprooted us all from New York to Berkeley to Sonoma County. And envision myself as a little boy just running around naked and eating watermelon. And I always just see this little look down and see watermelon seeds all over my belly. And we just wrote a book. Uh, it's called Hound of the Sea, my memoir. But I wanted to title it Watermelon Seeds on My Dingong in Memory of Those Days. And it was vetoed by my wife and the publisher. But I always envisioned this little boy <laughs> with a little scribble. But uh, yeah. I guess, did you guys make the right choice? What do you think? Hound of the Sea or Watermelon Seeds on my Ding Dong? I would have probably bought the Watermelon Seeds on the Ding Dong. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, that's part two. Do part two. Okay, okay. I think you should call it that, really. I think it'll get, I think it'll get some traction. So when you're that age and this is what your experience, this is a normal experience, but what's what's kind of going through your mind is just like when, when you're seeing all these people that run around naked and you're on this commune. Well, when we were eating peyote at about five, what was going through my mind was all this watermelon and chocolate was coming out of my mouth like a fountain. And I was like, I don't remember tripping out, but I do remember throwing up. And that was at about five. So we got into a lot of things that you would maybe never get into. And at a very young age, it gave me a very open-minded, like adventurous, exploring spirit, I guess. And how long were you living in the commune? The commune, okay, so everybody started getting their own houses on the 44 acres, and my mom didn't like that. She wanted everybody to be together. So she told my father, we're going to take a Volkswagen van and, and go to Mexico. And he was like, I'm happy here. I'm staying. If you want to go, you go right ahead. So she took me and this guy named Mad Bob. What about your brother? He stayed with my father. Okay. What's going through your mind then when you're being separate from your brother? You know what? I kind of either blocked it all out or just went with the flow. I was pretty carefree and kind of went with the flow. And I don't really remember, to be honest. But I remember it was always a lot of fun wherever we went. And we drove that Volkswagen van with Mad Bob and his two daughters from Sonoma County, California, all the way to British Honduras, Belize. Whoa. And we broke down at least 50 times. So by the end of that trip, I knew exactly what it sounded like when anything would go wrong with a Volkswagen. So I knew how to fix a Volkswagen. Anything that would go wrong, I knew exactly what was going wrong and how to fix it. It was, it was pretty amazing. How old are you? 
about five. So you know how to fix anything on a Volkswagen at five? Just by hearing what was going wrong. And what was the motivation to get all the way down there? My mom was, I don't know why. We ended up in a traveling circus halfway there. And then she met this Mexican guy who, where were we? We were in, um, I think, Guadalajara, where she met Louise. And then he moved us to British Honduras. And I think maybe she was looking for love or I don't know what she was looking for. Looking for herself is what she says. We got out of there because the guy that she was with ended up being really abusive. And we had to escape. And we literally escaped through a river with crocodiles and with a little rowboat and got to a bus station where she sent us back to my father. So when you say abusive, was it like, was it physical? Was it verbal? Are you witnessing it? I don't remember any of it, but she had shared with me few years ago how bad it really was and I, I definitely blocked it all out because I don't remember any of it. And when you're living on a commune is it open love like is it like is everyone like swinging with each other? I think that's what was going on but you have to ask my mom. You don't remember? No. You don't remember? Oh, okay. Maybe I... we should move to a commune. I <laughs> 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 might have to check one of these out. Where's that, where's that commune? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Weavers. It still exists today. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It still exists. Uh, we went up there. Couple years ago, yeah, two years. Ago. Is it weird the, the, to go up there? No, it's pretty awesome. Uh, little John still lives there, who was one of the guys. He's with his family, and uh, he lives in the original house that we were building, that we're still part owners of, of forty-four acres up there. Oh, yeah, it was pretty to sh- share it with Nicole, and she's heard so many stories. And I saw him, there, my old Tonka truck was there. It was like amazing to see all these old things. Yeah, is there anything that he can say now that'll surprise you at this point? Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> well, after being raised by her father, there's nothing I can do that I can't do any wrong because he's me on steroids. So what? What is your? Yeah. What's your dad? What's the story with your dad? He's just a crazy Cuban guy. <laughs> and like, how does that manifest itself? Wait, hold up. We're gonna talk about ancient nutrition, specifically ancient nutrition's multi-collagen protein. Okay, so I was on their Instagram like stalking them the other day because their collagen is insane. And I came across this healthy hot cocoa recipe. Okay, here's what you need. So it's one scoop of the Ancient Nutrition Chocolate Multi-Collagen Protein. You could also use, if you're not a chocolate fan, their multi-collagen protein that's just plain and flavorless. And then you do a tablespoon of cacao powder, a milk of your choice. I'm specifically an unsweetened almond milk fan. And then some drops of peppermint essential oil. You mix it up in your frother. And guys, you get this collagen healthy hot chocolate that is insane. I I also add lemon to it, but that's just like a weird tick. Anyways, collagen is so important. We've talked about this a million times on the Skinny Confidential. It's amazing for your skin, hair, nails, and connective tissues. So if you can make a healthy hot chocolate like this, you're getting the benefits and you're also enjoying hot chocolate, which is like one of my pregnancy cravings. So while you're sipping your hot chocolate in bed, you are getting four food sources. You're getting beef, chicken, fish, and eggshell membrane. They're all non-GMO, pasture-raised, cage-free, and cruelty-free sources, which we love. And Dr. Josh Axe is the creator. I'm sure a bunch of you guys follow him on Instagram. I've been a follower for a long time. He recently did a podcast swap with us, and he came on and just broke down the benefits of collagen. Better skin, better nails, better hair. I mean, sign me up. Get $10 off right now at ancientnutrition.com using promo code SKINNY10. That's a special offer for all TSC, him and her listeners, and a special way to support the show. That's $10 off at ancientnutrition.com. Just use promo code SKINNY10. ancientnutrition.com, promo code SKINNY10. Cheers. Just intensity and uh, very passionate. Like whatever he is about, it's just full on. So 
Garrett loves to surf, but my dad loves to surf more. So it's just this obsession of surfing every day, all day. Have they to compete? be surfing. They compete with each other? No, no, no. It's not like that. It's not like different like... different levels, but just the the passion of the surfing, and he's really passionate about the environment. So like trash, like he he refused to shave his beard and his hair and his eyebrows because he has just like one eyebrow and his hair kind of meets each other. He's really hairy, so he refused to shave or cut his hair until he collected one ton of trash from the ocean. So he's just really extreme, and Garrett's extreme. So. Holy shit. But growing up, that caused, you know, some issues with, you know, me wanting to be free and him being the Hispanic father. So, you know, many boys didn't want to date me in high school. I wasn't really allowed out of the house. What did you have to go through to date her? Was it like a whole That was the first thing I thought when I saw her. I'm like, hmm, I wonder who I'm going to have to talk to. Uh, but the craziest thing is when she would go to the movies with a boy, he would sit in the parking lot with binoculars, watch her go in, watch her go out. And uh, what, there was a, some other situations. Yeah, when I we got a girl out. on the way. I'm gonna have to call out your dad for some tips. <laughs> yeah. I, have to, I have to get some advice. Well, he still has the baseball bat that he likes to bring out because he thinks it's really funny. Of when he beat this guy's truck, his collector's <laughs> truck, like Ford Lightning. I don't know because I snuck out of the house with a guy. With a guy in high school. Lucky and he, only he got chased his truck the guy beat. down the the highway for like five exits and then smashed his. That was the best thing he ever did because no other guy would date her after that. That's perfect <laughs> for you. So, so you're like, listen, I'm, if, if this giant skyscraper of a wave couldn't beat me, you're not going to beat me either. And that's that's what you need. Well, lucky for him, he's so obsessed with surfing when he was like, Garrett McMahon. McNamara, oh, do you think he'll sign this this poster for me? <laughs> oh, wow. So she, your dad was a fan. She was like, you're going to come to our house in Florida and we're going to have to sleep in separate rooms. And I'm like, oh, well, we're going to go get a hotel. We get there. They let us sleep in the same room. Me and Pops are out in the kitchen in the morning in our underwear, hanging out, looking at the computer. It was just, I don't know. It was a smooth transition. Very smooth transition. So when did you start to get into the ocean? My father loves the ocean, and he would take us to the beach on the weekends very often from Berkeley, where he went after the hippie commune. And we got to go surfing for the first time back then. I don't remember. They told me that uh, Mike Powers took me surfing. as a guy who actually moved to Hawaii and still to this day tells me, I took you surfing for the first time. Then we moved to Hawaii at 11, where I really got into it. But before that, I don't remember surfing. So what's going on between the ages of like five and 11 when you've left South America and you've moved away from your mom? There's a gap that takes place before you got to Hawaii, correct? Yeah, we went back with our father who uh, opened a really awesome restaurant on Shattuck and Ashby in Berkeley. And we had 20 friends on a two street block, two block street. And we were having the time of our life. We had a pretty stable environment. We'd ride our bikes to the window of the restaurant and order and then ride around. We had the drive-thru before drive-thrus were even a thing. And then my mother came back. And, and at this time, had she burned the cash that she had? Not yet. That's when uh, she came back and she said, we're going to Mount Shasta. And we're just like, oh, no, here we go again. And we were going to look. She's Now she's looking for God, searching okay. for God. So supposedly God was up at Mount Shasta along with the aliens that everybody was citing. And so we get there and we find this cult called the Christ family. And the Christ family shared with her that she has to burn all her lively possessions, ours as well. So everything oh, we shit. owned, all the money she inherited, everything in the fire. She threw her money in the fire. All the, whatever she had left. 
and all of our clothes, all of our shoes, everything. We had a, a, a robe exactly like Jesus cut out of sheet and one blanket rolled up that we had on our back. And we walked the streets for about six months barefoot. You weren't allowed to hitchhike. If somebody stopped to give you a ride and offer you a ride, you could take a ride. If they brought you home, you could go home with them and they'd feed you. Uh, we literally, we would see a Safeway or a co-op or now it would, you know, a supermarket. We'd go in the back and open the dumpsters and that was like free for all. Or that was where we ate usually. And so at this point, are you thinking like, hey, my mom's losing it? Or are you just thinking it's normal? Like what's going through your mind? I'm like, let's get back to dad. It was the, that was the only part of my childhood that I really did not enjoy. And what's he, and what's, where's your, what's your dad trying to do this? He's just like, what the hell's going on? You know, I, I don't know. He, he was in Berkeley and he was really involved with his restaurant and still kind of hippied out having a good time. And when you talk to your mom now and you reflect on this time, is she apologetic or is she just, does she own it? Like, what's the vibe? Nicole's laughing. She yeah. can share. Sure. Come on. Yeah, so, it. Not, so there's only a couple people listening. Yeah, I'm not going to be responsible for this one. Come on, let's hear it. It's a safe space. Well, now she's a born again Christian. And an article. And we're going to hell. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Definitely after this, uh, an article just came out in the Smithsonian about Garrett, and you know it was about everything. It was a bridged version of the book, but the author really he went into greater detail. And, Paul Thoreau uh, really. All of a sudden, he gets this message: "I disown you. I, Is it I wish I never had you." Yes, and and it turns out, you know, she's just embarrassed because now all her born again Christian bridge friends read the article, and is she's, how old she's is she ashamed. Now? She's what 70, 72. Okay, so she there is some level of understanding, but she ha- uh, she has no remorse whatsoever, and she doesn't have a filter, so she'll say these things that are just so left field hurtful and we thought she didn't mean it really she just some things are coming out of her mouth that she doesn't mean and then just recently she proceeded to tell us that she means everything and she knows exactly what she's saying and she's not sorry so we're just like i don't think we're gonna hang out too much anymore there's no like drug addiction mental health alcoholism nothing nothing and, and she didn't really get into drugs that like like the hippie yeah. days, she wasn't really into it. I mean, she'd partake a little bit here and there, but she never got really deep into anything. So, I mean, what does this do to a young kid? What, what does it do to your self-esteem at that point in time, right? Because you're sitting there, it's your mom, and it's obviously somebody that you're looking to, to protect you. But at the same time, you know, you're literally begging on the streets, or not begging, but having to just search and scavenge for food. So, like, what does that do to you mentally? Made me want to be back with my father. <laughs> mentally... Uh, it made me very strong-willed and determined and focused. Luckily that uh, we moved to Hawaii where things are a little slower and a lot slower pace at that time. And I had more of this go-getter, full speed, maybe the East Coast blood still in me. And so focus, determination. I'm still here today as a pro surfer, 52. My career is better than it ever was. And, and all my friends that I looked up to and surf circles around me and their careers ended 25 years ago. Well, I'll say this too about Hawaii, which is maybe, and that's when I love Hawaii, so hopefully this doesn't offend anybody to get in trouble, but when you are not from Hawaii and you're coming in and you're not a local and you start to show up on the beach, like sometimes that's not the easiest group to get in with. I mean, is that when you're a kid coming in and you're on the beach and running around, you're not from there, does that get rough at all for you? 
we were really lucky that we went through so much at a young age that we fit right in right away. It was accept um, we, accepted right away. The first day of school, I had a fight with one of the locals, mm -hmm. and I had been going to Malcolm X Elementary School, which was blacks and Mexicans mostly, yep. so I was had to fight a lot. Yep. And so the, the little Filipino local guy wasn't a problem, and then the next day, we started a gang with the biggest, heaviest guys in the school. And then... The principal called us in. I, I got everybody. We all got leather jackets. We're in Hawaii with leather jackets. Go figure. And it's the principal, about 95 degrees. Yeah. And I'm sweating now. So the, the, the principal's like, there'll be no gangs in my school. And he took all of our leather jackets. But, but I fit in right away. Most Howleys, yeah. really hard. I was really lucky or from my childhood learned how to fit in. Well, one, I was reading a quote that you said, and maybe I'm butchering it, but it says, it says, that's who I am, but I chose not to become a victim. I just kept going forward. I love that you have this non-victim mentality because you had a, many excuses to take a victim mentality and say, you know, like, I'm having a hard time. You know, my mom's putting me on the streets. Like, you could have gone the other way. And it seems like you fully channeled this into a productive passion, which is what you've done with your career. If you're talking to somebody, how do you kind of coach them through? There's a lot of young listeners here, and there's a lot of people that get dealt rough hands. And they're sitting there thinking like, you know, I'm a victim right now. How do you kind of shift that mentality and, and start taking ownership of your life and, and using it to propel you forward? What would you think, Nicole? Well, I think it's a good question for you to answer. Come on, you can <laughs> Because share. I wasn't ever a victim. I know your life very well. I could speak for you, but... I want to hear, hear what you have no, to say. No, I'm curious to hear what you have to say. You know what? To... I like that answer. I like when Howie looks at his wife and says, I want to hear what you have to say. You could take a tip or fucking two from that. Lauren, what do you have to, what do you no, have to you, say? It, you like push me aside on the Broadway show, like stage and like tap dance. You could like put your tap shoes away and like, let me, let me fucking tap dance. See this picture right here? Do you think I had any say in this? Seriously. I think I'm cross-eyed in that picture. Right? Yeah, who cares what he looks like? But the, but the, listen, maybe it's a question for both of you because you, you know, you both in your own right have witnessed a lot of this. But I did, I'm, I'm curious because there's a, we get questions all the time into this show, right? And there's a lot of people that victimize themselves and it holds them back in life. And they're, you know, and, and I think hearing stories like yours and hearing, you know, someone who's gone through hard times that's, you know, completely turned He's around. He's used it as fuel. Yeah. And, and that's what I think yeah. if there is any kind of trait or it's, any it's kind different. of... different. You can use... You anything can that you could give them to say like, this is, this is the like fuel. the switch. Yeah. Well, I can say growing up in Hawaii, you know, there's a pecking order in the water and we were at the bottom the little white boys with all the local boys but we were friends so once in a while the local boys would let us go and my brother especially scrapped for everything i i, I was there scrapping a bit here and there but i didn't get too involved and kind of s skated on the outskirts and had fun and enjoyed most of what i went through I've always had a good heart, I feel. I've always wanted to do good and share and, and help. But that beginning where we had to scrap for everything was always deep in me that maybe I got to fight for everything. And once I met Nicole, I started reading a lot of good books. And I mean, I always was excelling. The only person that would beat me up was myself, take myself down. And if I was on the right path, everything just perfect. If I wasn't, then it was just ugly. And once I met Nicole, everything was perfect. And she shared with me so many amazing books and amazing tools and amazing ways of being that I definitely credit where I am today because of my wife. Nicole. Speaking of amazing books, Nicole brought me an amazing book. It's called The First 40 Days. And it's a book for after motherhood to take care of the mother, which is super interesting. I selfishly would love to know a couple of things about uh, motherhood. 
I would love to answer them. So did you know what you were getting yourself into? Because I don't know what that I'm getting myself into. Absolutely not. I actually wanted to write my own book after the first baby. The truth about labor and postpartum, like the secrets they don't, nobody ever tells you. What's a secret? Give us, because the other day I heard about this thing called a Smurf vagina. Have you heard about this? Someone on my Instagram story. It's more like a blue waffle. Oh, oh, I didn't know. A blue waffle. A Smurf vagina, I let my husband know for all the men in the room, is when the baby is sitting so hard on your vagina and all the blood rushes to your vagina. And apparently you can take a mirror and look down there and it's a big blue vagina. Is this true? Yes. And it's true that your vagina will not look like a vagina after the baby comes out of it. But does it go back to normal? Yes. Yes. Okay. It, it does. A hundred percent. It really <laughs> it does. Takes so much. That, that was the that was the the positive. You know, everybody says, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. And it does. It does go back to normal. Like, I don't. What's the blue waffle? No, no, it's just the same like thing. The, yeah. Okay. Okay. So give us. A, a, you said you wanted to write a book on secrets yeah. and tips. What's well, a secret? One thing would be the the preface is that every every birth is completely different, even for the same woman. Like if you have another baby, it's going to be completely different than the first. But one thing is you smell so bad during birth or just during no right after, like for the first three days Why after. Is that? Because of all the hormones, this oh, this uh, is usually I think with a natural birth because you're just I had a 24 hour labor and I'm just pushing and all these hormones are being released and it's just like your body's like literally sweating out all these hormones for three days and you wake up and like you're just soaking wet the sheets are wet the mattress is wet you shower and as you're showering with soap like you still smell, hmm. yeah. My smell can get worse. <laughs> Just when you think it can't, it can't. <laughs> there's a lot. Listen, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, lot of things going on during this pregnancy. I'm learning. I'm what learning a lot. What do you mean? This is however. Like this, I didn't know any of this either. I didn't read a book on it because the main, they don't talk the main, about it. The main thing that she was really wanting to share is the after and the challenges yeah. that you're going to go through and the things that you're going to face that nobody tells you about. They, yeah, yeah, like that you're going to smell. Okay, but you also <laughs> said that you were at his birthday party 24 hours after. Yeah, that was just stupidity. You just didn't know, though, but no, you didn't have anyone to tell you I that. I mean, my midwife told me that I shouldn't go, but I'm like, oh, but why not? But I literally was, like, shuffling into the restaurant. I couldn't even walk. So what are some things that women should know after birth that you think are really important? <sighs> to let everybody do everything for you. Don't feel that you have to do anything. Just lay there and rest and keep your legs shut like don't do anything like so you can just let everything start to heal and breastfeeding as painful as it can be it really helps to bring your uterus back and help you get back to normal faster and it's just to have patience with yourself like really just experience it and don't expect anything don't stress on any of it it all works out in the end after six months you'll start to feel like yourself again do and your then, boobs go back to normal i don't know because i went from the first one and i breastfed him for a long time and then just as they were starting to go back to normal i got pregnant again so that i don't know i'll have God to come back it. on and let you know okay great so so like just basically 
accept what's happening and don't try to fight it. Because I'm like such a type A. Like So am I. I'm going to try to be folding laundry while... Don't. Don't. She's going to try to be a hero. I know it. Right. Know and it. that's how I was with the first one. It's like, I told him that nothing would change. I was like, nothing's going to change. I'm going to go to this black tie event. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, just don't. Don't. That's... How can the partner be supportive? By reading that book. This, guy, this, this is all I got to do? Yes. Just gotta read the book? Oh, that's, that's all you got to do. That's all no, you have to do, you do is that book. Just don't snore quite as loud. I will do my... I will do <laughs> you my don't regret. snore. <laughs> no, I, I I feel like I'm going to be uh, like awake all the time here. I'm, I'm somebody that if a pin drops, I'm awake. And so oh, now, well, well, then you're, you're very lucky because he, he'll sleep through... Anything. I don't know. Yeah, Anything. our house. On fire, no yeah. problem. Yeah. Do you think that you've become more of a daredevil since you had kids or less? <laughs> Nothing really changed except for this last injury that I had. That kind of slowed me down. Was that the shoulder? Yeah. Lauren, I got to show Taylor, Taylor, can you pull that thing up, that, that clip? Yeah. That He's going to pull it up. I'm going to pull that. I, I need her to see this thing. I want you to get the, uh, the magnitude. I was watching when this. You're, when you're surfing like that, does it? what's going through your mind? How many years ago was this? Two, three? Actually, four years four ago, years. January. What's going through my mind? Just having fun. First of all, Lauren, this is the clip, right? Yes. This is it. This is one of the wild... Look, there he is. Similar. Wait, hold that, on. Go back. That first hit broke my shoulder in 10 pieces. And then... Oh, but uh, even more to, to me... Do you see what we're looking at here, Lauren? Yeah, I'm trying to, it's not like he's surfing a little to thing. More, even more, though, than surfing the wave to me is wh what do you do when the wave like takes you off the board and you go under? What, you swim up into it? So what happens here now? You go under... You Did you break your shoulder on impact right on away? On impact. Okay. And so you break the shoulder, then you hit two more times, skipping like a rock there you know, from a lake. What happens after I'm really comfortable under? underwater and the uh, lip landed on me, blew me up and I just got the normal pounding. I've had so many wipeouts that it, it, wipeouts are kind of where I really have fun when I'm out of control, have no control of the situation. That's when I might get the rush. And while I'm underwater, I'm just relaxing and taking it. But then I realized something's not right. You can you probably and can't swim back up, huh? I inflated so i came up you don't really have to swim but i couldn't use my left arm and the first thing i thought to myself was oh my god i should have been doing my yoga from january 1st this is now january 7 and i didn't do any yoga those seven days and why the yoga just gives you the flexibility yeah too stiff and when i hit it was just the head broke in the nine pieces like an eggshell and the shaft broke off the head and lodged itself in my peck yeah. Holy shit. and then i'm underwater do you see this happen no, I didn't see it happen. This stuff doesn't freak you out? Mm, no. No, it doesn't actually. What it, is it changed now that like you have kids? Do you ever think, okay, I got to be careful going out here or is it just... It didn't see change. It's calling in, you. It didn't change until this year, about three months ago in Indonesia. And why I does was, it change? Well, we were training for a month doing yoga every day, three hours a day. Then I took a week to go surfing. And on the third surf session, broke my foot. But the two sessions before that, I hit my head on the reef right here. Oh, and damn. when I hit my head, I almost knocked out. So I got to the board and I'm spinning sideways, trying to hold on and seeing everything spin like I was about to pass out. And all I could think of was my kids and Nicole and them being without a father. And then I got to the beach and I was like, what? what? camp am I in? I couldn't remember what camp I was in. And I was like, my wife didn't come with me. I know she's not here, but where is she? I couldn't remember where she was. 
And luckily, one of the doctor's assistants was right there. He brought me to the doctor, and they started working on me right away, put a couple stitches, and he said, I said the same four questions over and over for about an hour. And that was when I started thinking, man, should I even be... Mainly when I was on the board coming in, I was thinking, man, should I even be doing this anymore? This little teeny wave just took me out and almost I could have died right now. I, in my mind, I was thinking, if nobody saw me, I, I would have died right there if I knocked out. I found out later that somebody was watching me, so they would have grabbed me and brought me back. It would have been fine. But if nobody was there, it could have been my last wave. It sounds like when you're underwater, you said you're out of control, and you just have to, instead of trying to fight like fight out of it, you just have to let the wave control you. And relax. That sounds like motherhood, though. That's how you just described it. <laughs> yeah, just let it all go. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I need to read this. I don't think book. she has much of a choice. Uh, I think point. I'm just going to uh, let the wave control me. There you go. <laughs> I'm not, not going to try to control it. <laughs> well, we were going to have an orgasmic birth and everything and uh, on the first one, and then it just turned into gorillas and the myth gone wild. <laughs> What's an orgasmic birth? Did you actually have an orgasm during birth? Oh, yeah, you should Google it. Yeah, tell me about that. It's got to be fake. And <laughs> she thought it was real. We, I we, thought we, it was, it was real. You happen. watch the videos and uh, they look say, like I've they're... I've never heard of an orgasmic birth. <laughs> There's a book called <laughs> Orgasmic Birth. <laughs> yeah. Remember recently when Carolyn Stanbury was on and I said that's a thing and you all made fun of me saying, no, it didn't. <laughs> well, then she just <laughs> said it's not a thing. It's not a thing. It's a thing. She just didn't experience it. We thought we were going to. You're watching Pornhub and you probably Googled orgasmic birth and you found some weird dark hole you went down yeah. no one knows it's got to be a dark hole because it doesn't exist i'm sorry there's I no way. even with like a vibrator yeah. it hurts. i bet cedars <laughs> has i bet cedars hasn't seen somebody show up with a vibrator yet i bet that i bet they'd be surprised Actually, they, I bet but they, they say have. they they say like nipple stimulation and like making out and if you can tolerate like just like the whole making love thing will really right, so i gotta do a little more than read that book <laughs> <laughs> no, that's if she's gonna, gonna let you. No, I don't think you're gonna want him to touch you. <laughs> so it's just like it just becomes like extremely animalistic. I'm sure he's just like all that goes out the window. Yeah, it really does. During a natural birth, are you having like oils and music and like oh, yeah. all the oh, things? Everything. That's the best. And massage. Everything. Just she make had two sure your doula just massages you the whole time. Really? Yes. And make sure she comes with her right after you give birth. Why? Because it feels good. <laughs> and so did you get the baby right away? Did they put the baby right on Right, you? so it was at home. So Anything you wanted? Yeah. We're trying to figure out our birthing plan. like Which makes sure you have one and be real clear. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like someone was saying that like it's really important to keep the umbilical cord on for three minutes. All until these little it, details. You know, it's until it stops pulsing. <sighs> yeah. And, you know, it's better to not give them a bath to let the natural cream just absorb into their body because it's like a natural oil for them. But one thing you're I did remember, remember that is a must if you're if you know you have the natural birth is you get big super maxi pads, a bottle of witch hazel, you put essential oils in there, frankincense, geranium, and you squeeze it on the pads. Fill them up and stick them in the freezer. Why? What does it do? So after you put that pad on every time you go to the bathroom, and it feels so good. Instant relief because you're so That's a sore. Good tip. And the so witch like hazel is good too. Yeah. So you do a huge maxi pad with witch hazel, geranium, and frankincense. Yes. And Melissa's really good too for that. And Helly Chrissom. 
Melissa. Yeah, Melissa Oil. Okay, I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard Melissa's really good yeah. for, for pregnant women and post-birth. Yes, and you it's can put a drop bit. of the Melissa on their the crown of their head when they're born to like protect their aura. Ooh. Do you think that your kids will surf? And if they do surf, are you going to freak out? They already do. Both of them already do. <laughs> At my, 19 my, months? She's yeah. skating Venice Skate Park. Yeah, she's dropping in. She's wilder than the five-year-old boy. <laughs> he dropped in at two and a half with Uncle Jeff Ho, and now she is at one and a half. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah, she's wild. So are you, like, if you saw your kid surf a wave like this, what's your feeling of it? Make sure they're ready for it. I'd help them train. How so, do you get ready for that? Yeah, like, what is the process? <laughs> oh, listen, I, when I think surfing, I, like, you know, we grew up in San Diego. I see the people, maybe, like, five-foot wave. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, that's good. Th- th- this is a... This is an extreme jump from what I'm thinking about. How do you start to prepare for something like this, both mentally and physically? What, what do you need to go through? Well, first, you got to want it. And if you want it, then you can take the next step. And there's so much good information out there. There's so many uh, breath hold courses. The main thing is just being in the water all the time and getting a lot of underwater time when you get pounded. That really builds your stamina. How long can you be under? Like, what's what's the longest you've been under? Surfing, not that long. 30 seconds at the most. Okay. So two, two waves ends up a minute and a half and so on. But in a pool, about four and a half minutes, that's not too long compared to other people. There's, there's guys that can hold their breath 10, 15 minutes wow. now. Don't you but, have to do something with your nose to open up a chamber of your lungs or something like that? Did, did I hear that wrong? If you, the or only I, way to activate the fifth lobe of your lung is by breathing in your nose. nose. Yes. Okay. Do you know you know Laird and Gabby? Yes. So I'm I'm getting ready to produce Gabby's show here. She's gonna do. She's about to do a podcast. Awesome. And, I, and she, she, we were talking about this. She was talking to me about when we were on we, we had our meeting. And she's like, listen, when you start training, like start breathing through your nose more, just because of that reason. That that's actually who told me it was Gabby, not not Laird. She actually, the, the person who I wrote the book with wrote her first two books. Okay. She's and amazing. That, when she wrote, Gabby wrote a second book with this, with Karen, then I'm like, okay, Karen must be good. That's when I entertained working with her and she ended up being amazing. I want to go get in that pool with them. I think that you, she said, that's a good team building exercise. Get my whole team here. See who can cut it. Get them in the pool with her and Laird. What are some wellness things that you both do? What are, what are, like, I know you said yoga, but are you doing cryotherapy? It sounds like you do a lot of essential oils. What are some things you do um, maybe weekly, daily basis that are wellness related? Four Sigmatic every day, for sure. I just had a focus shot from them. Yeah, I love their stuff. Especially and get, get off your acid alkaline. Yeah, get off your acid greens to alkaline. We do a lot of things, so it's hard to think right now. When we're here, we always go to Khalil's to Sun Life, which is always the best best ingredients of everything and he carries the four sigmatic he carries the best wellness products you can find so anything in sun life is going to be good for you there's some new sunscreens now that are reef safe and uh all organic like raw elements so it's a company we work with and they are actually in sun life and whole foods resetting every morning taking at least a minute if not an hour to meditate and reset and if you can do that two or three times throughout the day you'll have a really meaningful day or I will at least. That's what really helps me. I'm pretty good at the the first one. I, I haven't mastered the second one or the third one throughout the day. And I, sometimes I struggle with even doing it once a day. But if I meditate three times a day, I'll be in heaven all day long. We also do a lot of goal setting, which kind of goes back to your question about for all the listeners out there who kind of become victims. And it's just knowing that we all are limitless beings and we can create our own reality. And I know one of the ways Garrett actually gave up on his passion of surfing when he was 30, 30. Yeah. And he, he got- Opened a store. Yeah. 
And why, why was that? You just lost the drive? He thought conditioning of society, thinking you need to, you know, support your family and have a real job. Talk about that, because I'm, re- I'm someone that really likes to go against the grain of what I'm supposed to do. In fact, I find it really like chains weighing me down. So w- when did you realize, like, wait, hold on, I'm actually not going to do what society tells me to do, and I'm going to beat to the tune of my own drum? Well, I was driving to work past perfect waves, pretty depressed. And I had bought the book Business Plan for Dummies to open the store. First time I wrote a business plan. So on, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe I'll try and give surfing another shot. And I'll write a little business plan for, to keep surfing. And I just wrote my goal and wrote my map and followed it. And boom, I closed, won the Jaws contest, closed the store, and kept surfing. And still today. And are you with him at this point? No. Well, I think that so many, so many people do that, right? They get told by their parents or their teachers or some of their peers or an adult that they say, well, you know, you can't make money doing that. You can't live a good life. It's so like you can't. But I, I mean, I think now, especially now with the way that the internet works and all these, we're so connected. There's so many niche things that actually become huge businesses, but and more people should hear that message and, and understand that they don't have to go to the beat of someone else's drum. It just, we have such a difficult time doing that. Yeah, we all need to decondition ourselves. From the conditioning of our parents, of our teachers, of society, of what we see. and But maybe you should explain more of the roadmap because, yeah, you said you make it. But, but I mean, when you started surfing, well, there probably wasn't a lot of money in surfing. There is now. I mean, there, now there's a shitload. But. Yeah, there was no money. We just did it because we loved it. I mean, I could pay the bills that I rented rooms to Japanese guys all winter so that I could travel in the summer. And we got paid 500 from this company and 500 from that company and almost made ends meet. But then when toe surfing came in, that became the new cool thing. And I was really lucky to be there when Laird and Derek and Buzzy did it for the first time and instantly got involved, interested and and started right away. But the the goal setting and the road mapping is really the key. Everything you want to do with your, well, first of all, you got to figure out what you're passionate about. And sometimes you got to go back to when you were three before the world got That's the hard thing to do for a lot of people. Yeah. Then write that as your goal. But in your roadmap, you know, you train, eat properly, manifest, surround yourself with the right people. But you'll also, it's really beneficial to put in there some selfless act, how to give back with your passion. And when you get that whole recipe, you can't fail. And you take that, that blueprint and stick it on your bathroom mirror, on your refrigerator, in your car, and look at it every morning, afternoon, evening, and everything that you do that day that is not on that map will take you further, take you longer for you to get to a goal. But if you do everything, as long as it's realistic, it'll happen. You just got to be really careful what you put in your goal because it will come true. You know, that's so interesting because I listened to this guy, Ed Milet, and he says exactly what you just said. And he said, actually take the roadmap and use it as your screensaver on your phone because you look at your phone up to 2,000 times a day, which is wild. That's what I did. I put my goals on my phone. So I'm like subconsciously every day looking at my phone 
So maybe like, you know, the mirror is great. You also add it to your phone, add it to your desktop, and you just constantly see I it. I love that. That's genius. Is the, I was just not, paper to pen, but I am on here <laughs> 2,000 times, so I'm definitely going to put it on my phone. Yeah, put it Thank on your phone. you. you yeah, know, I'm going to tattoo mine on Michael's ass. <laughs> 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 Listen, if you're looking at my ass that many times. <laughs> you know? <laughs> let's not do it on your body. Is there is there a guide that you guys use for this roadmap that the, that the listeners can go find? Is there a book or like a resource that they can go see a roadmap, like a blueprint that they can go and fill in. That was going to be the name of the second book, Blueprint. <laughs> or Watermelon Seeds on the Ding Dong, but... Write a book about the yeah, Blueprint. Yeah, that's what I really... And I really want to actually make a, a journal planner for young kids because it's not taught in school and it's just the conditioning is getting deeper and deeper. But if there was some easy book, something easy to follow, a worksheet that just let them know that there's other options out there. We actually, Anything's possible. We actually just started a foundation and that's a big part of it. Uh, we have these orphans in Nazareth. There's 15 of them that overlook the break. They live in this compound that overlooks the waves. And we uh, take them on meaningful nature experiences, whether it's surfing if the waves are good or hiking or whatever, beach cleanup. But then we give them the journal and we, we're teaching them how to roadmap. That is awesome. That's what they should fucking teach in school. Like, why don't they teach? Why isn't there a roadmap class? They just want us to be a number. Yeah. They want us to plug into a hole, you know, plug a, a peg in a wheel. So what are, yes. you said that you recommended Garrett some books to read. What are these books that you read that you think have been really life-changing? For Garrett, I know the number one book would be Deepak Chopra's The... Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, but recently uh, Anna Forrest, Fierce Medicine. Amazing. Oh, never read it's either. It's life-changing. We got to get her on the podcast. She's I'm gonna mani- yes. Let's manifest it. Let's roadmap it. Put that if she's around, she'll come in. Yeah. Uh, and what does she talk about in her books? Oh, she's so... You think <sighs> You think his book is crazy. Hers like makes his look like... Uh, Cakewalk. Yeah. And she developed forest yoga from her last name. But it's all about healing trauma and really breaking the conditioning and the traumas that we've had from our childhoods through yoga and through release. The book's really amazing, but she goes through a death meditation, a wiser self meditation, uh, a chakra processing of how you can, you know, find the answers to any question really could be simple as what should I eat or what should I do with my life? She has these meditations in her book to go through it. There's so many good books out there. Dan Millman, who did The Peaceful Warrior, the movie and the book, he wrote a book, The Life You Were Born to Live, which is also incredible. How do you guys parent and, and not listen to what society tells you? Because it seems like you guys parent on your own terms. Definitely. Homeschool. Homeschool. Talk about that. Why homeschool? So I was a teacher for six years in a public school system in South Florida. I know how it works. So every five-year-old is not the same. They're not going to learn the same things. They're not going to be interested in the same thing. But all of a sudden, we just group people like, oh, you're the same age. So let's just put you in a room together with a bunch of other people the same age and tell you you should all be the same. So I think it's much better for our children to be around younger kids, to be around older kids, to be around kids that are same age around adults to to travel to see new things so they can figure out what they even like and how best they learn and then have somebody who's actually teaching them and guiding them in a way that they learn best because not everybody learns the same and in school they want everybody to learn the same 
and it's just not happening. But what about, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here. Okay. What about, so you're a teacher, and I'm sure you're amazing, but for, <laughs> for people that... You're so amazing that we're in Florida driving in the car, and all these kids are in the car next to us yelling, hey, hey, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's I, like, that, oh, look. But they're saying look, that. Look, yeah, they're like, look, Nicole. I think they had that they too. They like, Mrs. M, Mrs. M. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but for, for and the, this was like years later. <laughs> That's funny. For the parents that, maybe the some parents aren't equipped to, to teach yeah, it. So what, so what's, what, do you, what would you suggest for an option for them? Read a lot of books about conscious parenting and. We got that book, Michael. Conscious Parenting. Good. People yes. like that book. Yes, it's a great book. Okay. And, you know, just think about what you want your kid to know and just make sure you're infusing that at home. Like maybe it is the journaling and the goal setting, like doing it as a family since it's not happening at school. Yeah, because I get it. Not everybody can homeschool their kid, but there's things you can do at home to let them know that not everything they're learning at school is the way the world works. Yeah, I think that I think that's the message because you know, like I was a terrible student. I just felt I never fit in in school. I felt like I didn't relate to the lessons. I mean, there's plenty of kids that excel and they just crush it in school, but for those that don't, you just feel lost. Absolutely, and that's I think that's where it comes down to parenting, and the supplemental things you do at home, and just being the example. You know, what what do you guys do that makes it where you don't follow society and do what you're supposed to do, and teaching them that it's okay to be different. Um, have you ever heard of the human design? No, what's that? So it's a system based off the I Ching, the Kabbalah Tree of Life, astrology, but it's basically creates a chart of how you are the moment you were born. And it's basically your soul's contract of what you've come here to do, and it's your energy type. And it talks a lot about how we're conditioned to not live our energy type, which causes resistance with the universe. Like the universe can't give us what we want because we're going against it. So for example, Garrett's a generator. He is meant to do what lights him up and it's his initial response. So like, do you want pizza or do you want ice cream? It's like, which one do you want? Instead of saying, oh, what do you want? And then him saying something and then not wanting it, but feeling he has to do it. And just removing that conditioning that we have to do you know, we have to give that person a hug because that's the only way we're going to get love. And that's not true. So, but it's really interesting to apply that to parenting and how you raise your kid based on their energy type. I want to know my energy type. And I, can, like, I can get it for you. How do you know? Would you take a quiz? Well, uh, it's based on your birth date, but your exact birth time. But then it creates a chart. And I just went to the training to be able to read the charts. And it's super interesting. And I'm really excited to apply it to my parenting because it makes so much sense. Like our five-year-old son, so he's a generator. And he's only meant to do what really lights him up. And he's always like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But I think I have to make him do it because that's the right thing. But he actually knows exactly what his soul wants to do. And I just need to support that. So what are the other types of energy? So there's generators, manifest generators, manifestors, projectors, and then reflectors. There's very few reflectors in the world. I think it's less than 1% of the population what, what, is a reflector. a reflector. So they are a non-energy being. So they uh, simply reflect the energy that's around them and the collective energy of the world right now. And then what are the other four? Well, you, I guess you gave one. I guess the other We're putting three. you on the spot here, but it's... No, that's okay. 
I'm gonna do my best. Okay. The generators are the people that are meant to like sparkle up and be so radiant that their energy is just so captivating that it captivates all of us. And we would just wanna say, oh yes, generator, what is it you wanna do and make that happen. And their energy literally like lights all of us up to wanna create and do what we're meant to be doing. Manifestors, generators have to wait for an invitation from the universe. So the universe literally like gives them things for them to choose. Like, do you want sparkling water or do you want regular water? And the generator picks based on what the universe gives them. Manifestors don't have to wait for an invitation from the universe. They literally just have ideas just come to them. Generators, universe gives them ideas. Manifestors, they just are manifesting these ideas and they're meant to just throw these ideas out and then the generators and the other energy types make these things happen. And then manifesting generators are a combination of those two energies, which is interesting. So manifestors a lot of times will, their friends will say, oh, do you wanna go to the movies next week? And the manifestor's like, yes! But then when it comes, they're like, no, I don't want to go to the movies anymore. But then they feel obligated because of their conditioning when really they just need to learn how to set clear boundaries and say, yeah, that sounds really great. If I can make it, I'll be there instead of saying I'll be there and making commitments they can't keep. And then projectors. So I'm a projector. I'm a non-energy being, which means I take on the energy of everyone around me to help them achieve. And we're more of like the the guides who kind of know what people need and can help them achieve their goals. So that's why you two are solid. You solid match. Yes, he got really lucky. He didn't even <laughs> he didn't even realize he was pitching a projector. It. Yeah, <laughs> he generated a projector. I have two. I have two. It goes selfies. much deeper though. It does go much that, deeper. It, so. yeah, yeah. it was kind of confusing the way she was explaining. Yeah, I'm it, sorry. But, no, uh, I understood. No, we put you on the spot there, and it was like you know we, we didn't, didn't mean to make you recite yeah, I'm the sweating. whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this room is like so hot. I, I, keep, I don't you know, know what's what? going uh, on uh, here. I purposely keep it hot in here because I found when you keep it cold, people are they, they're on point, yoga. and then I like to get people comfortable so I get vulnerable. I get you guys in the hot seat, literally the hot seat yeah. I, have, I have two selfish questions for you guys so when you originally set out and you were doing your blueprint and your goal was it breaking world records in there or did that start to manifest itself as you started to you know get better and better and better in your career and then the, the second part which is selfish i've never had the chance to ask a world record holder this question what happens and i'm not saying it's going to if somebody tries to beat your record or does like what is that going to what is it going to do to you mentally you're going to want to get back out there i'll answer the Second one first, somebody did beat the record. They did? When? They got a, a one of, actually like one of my students okay. and in Nazareth. Uh, eight years later, he broke it two years ago. Wow. I was happy for him. He had a really bad experience uh, two or three years prior, almost died and had post, wow. p- post-traumatic stress um, syndrome and was not going to go surf Nazareth again. And somehow he got the courage and came back and actually got the biggest wave of his life. So I was really happy for him, really proud of him. And I just got so lucky that nobody had ever surfed the big waves there. Nobody knew that the big waves were rideable. Mm-hmm. And I got to so blessed to be the guy who discovered that the big waves were rideable there. So no matter what happens there, I'm really happy and proud. And nobody would be there if it wasn't for Nicole answering an email that we got sent a while before. Um, I had a five-year email chain with this guy inviting me, and I wasn't going to go. I wanted to, but it just wasn't going anywhere. And then Nicole saw the email chain 
being the projector that she is, organize it, and we got there in one month. So this guy was just like, "Hey, you gotta come, you gotta come surf this, you gotta come check this out," and you were just like ignoring, ignoring. Not ignoring, but it was a bodyboarder and a surfer, and it was going back and forth for five years until she saw the email. In one month, we were there after she saw it. That's what kind of projector she is. Was the goal to break world records? It was just one of these things where it's like these waves exist, and I'm gonna surf them. I'd been looking for the hundred foot wave for about ten years, and. We thought it was out at Cortez Banks. Mm-hmm. It's very elusive, this 100-foot wave. was nowhere to be found. And when we rode, we got to Nazare the first day, we w- walked up on the cliff, and I saw waves that I know were 100 feet. It, the conditions weren't any good, but I, it was just like the holy grail, like this big ta-da moment. And there was actually probably a 100-foot wave ridden there about two years ago by Hugo Val, maybe even 120 feet. It was so dark and so uh, late in the afternoon that you couldn't really see him. But where the wave broke and how big it was, it was probably at least 100 feet. So there are, I know there are 100-foot waves there, and one someday somebody will surf one. And I had been focusing on the 100-foot wave and training all day and just dreaming about it and manifesting it and seeing it. And in 2012, I got this wave that didn't really break. The media got a hold. It looks like it's 100 feet. And the media got a hold of it and said it was a Garrett claimed to surf a 100-foot wave. I'm like, wow, I didn't say anything. And this wave is not 100 feet. All of a sudden, wherever I go and pretty much the whole world. Hey, you're the guy who rode the 100 foot wave. I'm just like, well, the wave wasn't really 100 feet, but okay, whatever. <laughs> so I don't, I released it. This very rigidly attached to riding this 100 foot wave. I pretty much released it. The world thinks I rode it. The desire is still there, but only if I'm feeling perfect and it's a perfect day and everything feels right, I'll go out there and uh, if the wave comes, I'll ride it. But I don't have to. There's not like some desire to like pre- protect a certain number. It's, 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 you've gone past that. I surf for the love of it. I didn't, honestly, I didn't even want to enter the 78 foot wave into the XXL. I didn't want to enter it. But the country, the town, yep. my sponsors, Nicole, they all wanted to enter it. So we entered it and it won. Now for the most important question What's the gnarliest shark you've ever seen? Oh, I love sharks. Oh. Come to our house. We have sharks right in front. You can either cage, have you dive with the cage or cageless. Hold on. I got I got one thing to say about this house because Taro's t- told me. T- I forgot. Oh, Taro. yeah. Taro. Taro's yeah. coming to the house. Khalil's coming next week, I think. You have a big house under the water, but you don't go in the big house. What's what's the story there? <laughs> Is that what they said? Yeah, that's what they said. They go, this amazing big house in the water. That and sounds a, like me. I like smaller houses. And then this is, we live in a tiny, tiny house. house. I like tiny houses. <laughs> what's the story with that? You're still, you're, with the tiny house is away from everybody. Okay. The big house is up front row center with everybody around. Oh, they could get to you. There's not a lot of people, but in our tiny house, we're tucked away in the corner, back corner of the property. It's quiet. And we have a perfect little spot, not fenced in, but we have the perfect uh, wall of plants and the skate ramp and the, we have a little school and it's just like Disneyland for our kids. And there's sharks? Well, about a mile out. You manifested the sharks, Lauren. <laughs> Wait. Is this like great white sharks? No, no. There was one a couple yeah, of years uh, ago. Yeah, the biggest but, one ever recorded. Okay. Yes, but th- it was a tagged great white. They were following it. They knew it was so far. It wasn't. They in knew where it was. What, yeah, what do you do if you're surfing in the ocean and you see a shark? That what? doesn't happen. Never? What happened to you once? What do you do? do you, are you supposed to get on your surfboard? What, what's yeah. the move? Fast, quickly, and get out. What's up? You don't have your period. Oh, my God. <laughs> So don't just don't pee. They can smell yeah, pee stronger. Yeah, urine's than, supposed to be stronger than blood. blood. 
That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Knowing me, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I have to be. See, that's, yeah, that's a problem exactly. though, because you see it and you piss yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you, know, you, could thank, you could thank um, uh, Terrell for that message because he was like, ask him, about the, ask him why they're not in the big house. <laughs> that's funny. We talk, I talk about moving up there all the time, but I kind of don't want to share it with the kids. I'm like, once the kids are older, then we'll move up to the main house. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad but we got to do this. you guys should come visit. Yeah, I'm glad we got to do this. What would you leave our audience with a book, a resource, a podcast <laughs> that would provide value to their life? Both of you. Could be anything. Could Just be something a that's, parenting book. Could be surfing book. Could give us a resource. A podcast you guys like. I would make sure you do a minute meditation every morning. A minimum of a minute. And if you go longer, that's great. But a minute is awesome. Everybody can do a minute. And just... Get a mantra that you can tell yourself for a minute of how you want to be and how you want to feel all day long and how you want to make people feel and put that mantra into effect and you'll be the most loved person. I don't know if it's a book or a podcast or anything like that, but finding somebody that inspires them and that they can look up to and ask for advice or even just watch and see what the books that they recommend are, or maybe they've written a book, but finding somebody that they can connect to and look up to and want to be, be like, you could call it an expander, somebody that, you know, pushes you to be better than you are. You guys are great. Your kids are lucky to have you both. What's your Instagram handle? Pimp yourself out. Tell us about your book. Instagram is McNamara underscore S, which is M-C-N-A-M-A-R-A underscore S. And Nicole? Mine is Mama Unearthed, M-A-M-M-A, and then Unearthed. And where can we find your book? Everywhere. Amazon. Amazon, yeah. Thank you guys for Hound coming. Hound of on. the Sea. Hound, Hound of, of the, the Sea. sea. Not, not, not watermelon seeds on my ding Not watermelon seeds. Oh, we did just start uh, making episodes, YouTube episodes with family and surfing. So Taylor, make sure worth, we link all that out. We're that's worth out. checking out. Yeah. And you guys are going to be on We're one on of it. them. We're yeah. on it. <laughs> right. Thank you guys for coming. Thank on. you. Guys, wait, don't go. Make sure you've rated and reviewed the Skinny Confidential Him and Her Show on iTunes because every week we do a giveaway. This week we're giving away the cutest new TSC pop socket. It's like three hearts all stuck together and says TSC. It's on my phone right now. You will love it. All you have to do to win is tell us your favorite part of this episode on my latest Instagram at the Skinny Confidential, and someone from the team will drop into a bunch of your inboxes and send you this new hot cute pop socket. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.